So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags to riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, The Big Kahuna. Corey Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and today we've got a really great show for you today. Super excited to have one of my good friends and buddies uh, on the show, and we're going we're gonna to be talking about a little bit about the, the mortgage banking business. There, I said it right, the mortgage banking business, and how um, getting the right loan and choosing the right uh, banker is really essential in this game of uh, the multifamily game and trying to get an edge. You really want someone on your team who is knowledgeable, consistent, and then really has the resources and the tools to play the game. Uh, before we get into that, though, first of all, I uh, want to just tell you, uh, I love it when you guys take the time to go to iTunes and give me any of your reviews. I would just want to strongly encourage you, if this podcast has helped you in any way, uh, good, bad, or ugly, uh, that you take the time to go to iTunes and just submit a, a review. So we'd love to love to put you on air and talk about it. Secondly, we now have three positions open for our mastermind group. So if you are in a space where you're kind of you're in the multifamily game and you need a some resources, a, a mentor, a coach, um, and a team to help support you to help you grow and really help you level up to that next level then the Kahuna Mastermind could be it for you. And so if you'd like to learn more, I'm going to ask you to email my wife, Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y at kahunainvestments.com. So Shelly at kahunainvestments.com. Um, tell her that you're interested in, in the Mastermind. She'll reach out, give you more information, and uh, and talk to you about it. The, our Mastermind is $5,000 upfront and then $1,000 a month. Um, most people tend to stay for a year or, or longer. Uh, we'd love to have you in. Um, we got a couple spots left to fill, and uh, really it's all about community and uh, the power of everybody getting together to drive forward. And more importantly, you're gonna get access to me. It's the one place that I, I give a lot of access to Corey on phone calls, on communication, on underwriting your deals, really just that, that level up hand-holding that you might need um, in order to be successful in this game. So with that said, I'd love to introduce my next guest. Uh, his name is Aaron Mole. He's been on the show before, but Aaron is a mortgage banker in the Detroit office. He's focused on mortgage originations, and he's been involved with commercial real estate uh, for over 10 years. And he's closed over more than $1 billion of transactions. And honestly, I just say that uh, Aaron is really a trusted advisor. He's someone that you look to when you have a loan and you want to know what, what is going on in the market the area. He's going to be the person that I think you can go to that would give you the good, bad, and the ugly and just tell you straight how it is. And I think that's so refreshing. So with that said, let's welcome Aaron Mole to the show. Hey, Aaron. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Corey. How are you? 
Man, I'm doing amazing. I'm super excited to have you on because I don't think you can over address the importance of having a trusted advisor is what I'll call you as, as my mortgage broker. And, and really the word broker doesn't really necessarily uh, do justice of our relationship that we have, but why it's important to have a solid relationship with someone that can help you get loans. And so uh, for everybody that's listening, can you just kind of give us your, your short background of of what you've done and, what, and kind of where you've came from. Sure, man. Sure. It's always good to be with you, Corey. So, and thanks for having me on the show. Uh, my name is Aaron Mall. I work with Bercadia, which is a JV between Jeffries and Berkshire Hathaway. We are a, uh, a licensed seller servicer for the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and, and HUD loans, or collectively known as the GSEs. So those are kind of our proprietary loans that we place with multifamily. Um, and then we broker, for lack of a dirty term there, we broker to... Uh, a variety of different lenders. Um, we want to be your problem solvers. So we go to banks, uh, debt funds, life insurance companies, CMBS, Wall Street lenders, and kind of everything in between just to kind of meet our clients' goals. So, and then I'm based in uh, Detroit, Michigan. One of the things I love that, th- uh, that you guys, uh, you're an actual dust lender. And so can you maybe explain what, it, what that means for people? Like what, what does a dust lender mean? Sure. Put in simple form. A lot of time I've, I equate it to folks that aren't as familiar, familiar with the space is uh, residential mortgages. If you go to your local lender, Bank of America, all the way down to your local credit union, and you get a home loan, they're likely going to turn around and sell that to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac on the back end. We do the same thing. Uh, there's a little more selective a group that has those licenses. There's probably about 20 of us. I just happen to be part of the most active group across the board. We tend to be number one or two with Freddie, number two or three with Fannie, and number one with HUD. So when you mix it all together, we like to say we are the number one GSC lender, which usually is true. So, you know, we're experts. We don't try to push people into a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or HUD product because that's really what we're good at. We're good at all. And so we try to find the best fit to bring you guys a competitive set. So when I say I'm a direct dust lender, that means I have a direct relationship with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and HUD, and there is no middleman. Those are my proprietary loans. Yeah, and, and the key is there's no middleman. So sometimes when you're not working with a dust lender and you're working with a different third-party broker, for lack of a better term, you're going to get paid. You're going to actually get charged probably two commissions because uh, the dust lender is still going to get their commission. And then if you're working with someone that's bringing you the dust lender, you're going to pay a commission as well. And so that's just something to think about when you're out there looking for, you know, that relationship. So I think what I love about working with you, Aaron, is that we get the power of Bricadia. And then I think that trickles down a little bit into some of your other types of loans. So let's talk about that for a minute. Sure. Well, where do you want to go with that? I mean, well, I'm just got- saying like, like I, in my mind, like, so if you're waving your Bacadia flag, right? And then all of a sudden you're going to go to talk to a CMBS lender, CMBS lender. They just understand that they don't want to screw you up. Like they, they respect it and they're like, that's good business. Let's do good business. Right. right. Or if there's a bridge to perm situation or just, there's so many other ways that you can use the power of uh, the volume you guys do to maybe, I think you have stronger relationship with some of these other banks. Sure. And I, and I can appreciate this. So I guess where I'll start is I always take a client when they send me a new deal and a lot of times they're acquisition deals. So people are chasing stuff on the market. It's listed. Maybe it's, maybe it's an off market, but a few people are looking at it. They want to know how they're going to, how they're going to be competitive. Corey, you and I do this all the time where you'll yep. find some property in some market and say, Hey, where can I get this Fannie Freddie? So on a high level surface, we talk about 
well, before we go Fannie Freddie, what's your goal? Are, is right. this a five-year hold? Is it a 10-year hold? Are you putting a lot of CapEx into it? How's the occupancy? So I'd love to jump on the phone with you or someone else and just talk about what your goals are. And then from there, we can kind of fill in the blanks as far as, oh, well, based on what you're telling me, it is a Fannie Freddie with maybe a CMBS option or it's not going to work. We need to go to a bank, put on some recourse. The property doesn't stand alone by itself or look at like a non-recourse debt fund, which is a little more expensive, but you get no personal guarantee. So I always start with, tell me what you want. And then we can kind of fill in the blank and, and figure out your loan goals from there. Yeah. I mean, and so I always have the same prorexis. So my, my highest and best is always Freddie or Fannie because you usually get the best terms and best everything with those agency lenders. But once you have a deal that doesn't qualify for that, or it's in a, uh, a market that is not uh, that Freddie or Fannie won't do or a smaller market. And we've had that multiple times with, or even student housing, which is, they used to be in it. Now they're not. And the, the, yep. the one thing with the lending world that is, it's always changing. Very much so. No, man, you're right on. And you hit, you hit a couple. We're also in the middle of a pandemic too, right? So we had the start of the year student house and you mentioned that and you and I have done some student, like there was already some allocations annually from Fannie Freddie where they were kind of putting up the caution flag. Two years ago, Fannie and Freddie were 80% of the student house and permanent lending market, 80%. They kind of realized they were getting the lion's share. And from their regulator, the FHFA, they decided, you know what, we need to somewhat put some sort of cap on the amount of student you're putting out at you. It's an unofficial cap, but they started to ratchet that back. That was before the pandemic. Then the pandemic hit, a lot of uncertainty about what schools are going to be open, how that's going to work, are they going to play sports? I mean, just a lot of conversation around that product and that asset class. But what we're finding is most folks are okay. We now have a lot of heads and beds, um, especially in your Power 5 major schools. Yep. So it's a bit of a tweener right now with student. And you it and is a tweener because I've got, I've yeah. got, I, I'm a 50, 50 mix, right? So I look at my portfolio. I've got four student housing projects. Two are doing okay and two are not. And, yeah. and who would have known? And it really comes down to the individual college and the state, whether they're, we're very aggressive and saying we're going to reopen and we're going to go back to in class. And so, but it's still the COVID scare. Even though colleges said they're open doesn't mean that, Parents agree. Right. And yeah, parents are voting right now with their wallets. There's so many particularities. I think everyone in the market has kind of just hit the pause button and gone, let's give it a month. Like from where we stand today in early September, the earliest days of September, just after yeah. Labor Day, we now had kids move in. Now they're actually supposed to be going back to school, whether it's virtual or in person or whatever it is, because I've yeah. got clients that have markets that are completely shut down. There is no in-person classes. Yeah. And they've leased up. We've got so, two properties that we've are fifty percent right, and so one uh, Eagles Village. So you, you got the loan on that one. We've been one hundred percent two years in a row on fall semester, and all of a sudden we're going to hit like fifty five percent occupancy, and we're like, and you're in the and you're in the Midwest, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like it's location specific, it's school specific. So it just goes on. It's crazy. Now this is why it's more important to have a good lender. And I'll, and I'll just, I'm going to dote on you a little bit, talk about some things that you've done for me that I think are uh, above and beyond. So this is where the relationship and this is why it's important to have a relationship with a, with a good mortgage ally, in my opinion, is because, so on some days I'm like, hey, listen, Aaron, I'm going to be, I feel like I'm going to default on a loan here or like we're going to start missing payments. Like we need to get in front of the lenders. And you reached out and helped make and open that conversation, that, that introduction which sometimes is really nice. I mean, it just, it helps 
cement what's going on. And, and you know, you don't have to do that, but it's really nice when you do. And it, I think well, it goes a long way. And it's, it's, it's a non-issue for me. I mean, Corey, as I've said before, even on your previous podcast, I love doing repeat business and getting clients like yourself that I can have done four, five, six deals with. You make my life easier because I can rep that, hey, the portfolio has been good. Your ability to close and do business has been good. Your ability to manage property has been good. You know, so it just helps. And so I certainly appreciate it. It's, it's been some interesting times, you know, going through deals oh, yeah. like 100% to 50% overnight. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work its way out. Yeah, and it will. That is our aspect as well. Like it's a global pandemic. How do you put that in your performance? You don't. You right. just don't. And right. uh, but you gotta you gotta be shifty. You gotta be willing to be flexible. And together we all solve problems. And I think that's the banks are solving problems as well. They've you know offered us some type of relief. We don't know exactly what it is yet, but they understand that like it's we gotta get through this, and then things will probably start to normal out. Right. Right. So one of the questions I've been getting a lot on my podcast is, do I have to personally guarantee a, uh, a, a multifamily mortgage or note? Right. And I would love because I think that's a loaded question, but I would love to hear your take on that, Aaron. The answer is no. <laughs> you do not need to personally guarantee. In fact, we try everything we can to have you not personally guarantee mortgages. Uh, Multifamily is the gift that keeps on giving. It is the best asset class year over year for the last 10 plus years when you compare it to the other major food groups of retail, office, industrial, multifamily space to just continue to perform. And so we have a lot of lenders chasing that. We have a lot of lenders that only focus in multifamily like Fannie, Freddie, and HUD. And those are non-recourse loans. They don't want the recourse. They'd rather do a deal that stands alone. So our goal is to when you're looking for a permanent loan on a deal that's stabilized is put you into a non-recourse sort of instrument. Okay, so the key word is stabilized. Now, what if we don't have a stabilized deal? Sure. So there's also a variety of different ways you can look at a non-stabilized asset. There's non-recourse bridge. There's even non-recourse construction loans. Boom. It's, just so about- it's all about like what's out there because there's enough money chasing this sector. It used right. to not always be that way, but like right now, I feel like you can get non-recourse on just about any type of loan that's out there. You know, you may have right. money for it. You probably get your rate down sometimes if you were to give a personal guarantee, but not always needed, right? Correct. And there's a lot of reasons for that, why multifamily is some of the best debt in the market. We could go into that for a long time, but there's obviously granularity to the rent roll. When you have 120 units, you have 120 leases. You're not stuck with two office tenants or something where you go from that 100% cash flow, like you're talking about earlier, 50% if one of them leaves. So it's it's a good underwriting, you know, for the lenders. And the, and again, the assets just continue to perform pretty well. Historically, they just perform mm-hmm. if they're mm-hmm. ran correctly. Absolutely. So, you know, to go to a non-performing asset, if you brought me something, Corey, that said, hey, I got a 75% occupied deal. The seller's been undercapitalized. They're a mom and pop. Then there's a lot of opportunity here. The rents are low. I'm buying this on a three cap. That's fine. Cap rate to me is not a relevant part of the conversation when you're not stabilized. It's really just about cash flow. Even if you don't cash flow enough, we can still find a home for that. That's either going to be non-recourse bridge, um, which is going to have a little higher interest rate, but you get an interest only component to that until it stabilizes or bank. And if you go bank, a lot of times your rates are lower 
but you're going to sign the recourse dotted line. And a lot of that is just conversations between me and you, Corey, or whoever, as far as, are you comfortable with that? Do you want to take on that risk of, of um, you know, personally guaranteeing yep, of, of the recourse really? In other right. words, if the deal goes bad, they could come after my personal assets. Yep. Right. Exactly. Now think about this. So we did actually do this in Hawkeye. So Hawkeye, we were with a credit union, by the way, you got us a credit union. It was great. And, that was really just by you saying, hey, because uh, we're trying to find new debt on that property. Correct. Uh, when we first bought it. And there wasn't a lot of takers that were at the rate, uh, competitiveness that we wanted. And you're like, well, let me just see where the existing debt's at from the, from the seller. And it was with a credit union. Right. And what, and what did you do? Yeah, we came in. That one was, you've, uh, I think you've had the trifecta of student housing where you've been under contract on deals that have been like 95% occupied and all of a sudden they go to like 80 because the seller doesn't know what they're doing. The biggest no-no in student housing is don't sell, don't tell your staff you're selling the property when you're in lease up because they stop paying attention. So that one we were under contract in application with the Fannie Mae execution. It was like 95% occupied, yes. going down with Fannie and all of a sudden, boom, the lease, the school year starts, it goes to I think like 75% occupancy yep. and we had to pivot. So we went to local lender that had the debt. They took, you know, you on as a new sponsor. Yep. I'm trying to remember if they even took a guarantee on that one. I, I don't think we did. I don't think they did. I mean, that was one of the things you did. You're like, dude, they never do this, but they did it. They took a non-recourse. They recasted the loan to you. And we knew it was going to be a transitional bridge, even though it was with the credit union. And lo and behold, you turn it around like you do. You, you put your magic touch on it, went from the 75% back up to 90 plus percent yep. on a stabilized side. We went back out to the market to put a stabilized, uh, in that case, it was going to be a CMBS loan with the lender I, we worked with before. Yep. And the credit union turned around and said, we'll beat that. We and want they the, they, for it. Yeah, they wanted the debt. And they made right. it, uh, the best deal ever, man. It was like, <laughs> oh my God, we're stupid if we don't take this. <laughs> right. Right. When lender legal is like a thousand dollars, it's a, uh, it's a pretty cheap date. So oh it yeah. Good. It was great. Man. So, <laughs> and, and that's that I always say that like that is the relationship aspect of this business. Cause some brokers for lack, I, I keep saying the word broker cause that's just what it is. We'll, we'll call it that even though it's a dirty term. Okay. Right. And, uh, but I put on my mortgage, I put on my white collar Tinder profile, mortgage banker, Corey. I'm not a <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mortgage banker. I'm not a broker. I'm a banker. So, but I always say like some bankers would be like, listen, uh, you're going to use this place because I'll make more spread. I'll make more rate. Um, in other words, they're thinking about themselves more than the project or the relationship of getting paid time and time again. And I mean, I've seen that happen where let's just say, there's ethics in there and there's like, you know what, you're going to use this because this is, I, I know I'm going to get paid at this shop versus right. a credit union that may or may not like want to give you as all, you know, what you'd normally get from the relationship at, you know, called Lima one or, or some other CBS loan. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, I've always said my whole career, even to my analysts, never bite the hand that feeds. Yeah. You know, I've done a number of deals now, you know, it's, it's all about getting you the best execution. And here's what I love too, is that not only, um, and, and this is really a testament of what a good mortgage banker will do. Now, <laughs> it's not just Aaron. Aaron has a team, okay? And Aaron will actually kind of like, they underwrite my deal. Like you put together, like when we're going to go to market, you've actually had your uh, 
analyze. I don't know what you should call them, analyzers or analysts. Analysts, analyst, yeah. That's yep. the right word. See, I barely met at a high school. I don't have these technical <laughs> dollar terms. <laughs> I'm changing all their titles to analyzers. So <laughs> <laughs> have the analyzer do it. <laughs> I like so, it. But they do what they do, and they make – they create a packet that now is like tells the story. And we talk about that all the time about being able to tell a story. Right. Right. And right. put some color on that. Like, like, what does that mean to you? Like, cause I, th I think that's the most powerful aspect of what, what we do and how right. you do it. Well, you, you were asking me earlier to touch on why we're successful with other lenders beyond Fannie, Freddie, and HUD that we do a lot of business with. And a lot of it's the, just the sheer power of the size of the company I work for. I'm very independent on how I work. Corey, you probably used to just work with me and my analysts, right? Yep. But I'm part of a big team. And what you don't see is that narrative you're talking about. You know, we have a, we have a huge staff in India. We are the largest non, we're the largest non-bank servicer in the country with $300 billion of servicing. So I have a lot of data. I have a lot of um, information in my own servicing book and I have a huge back office staff where if you send me a deal, whether it's listed or not, that T12, that rent roll, that OM, I ship that off to India and I can have a narrative and some sort of OM of my own in a matter of a couple of days. And then my analyst analyzers and I can put our touch on that specific story and get that to the market and do it a lot quicker than folks who just don't have that back office, yeah. the smaller groups. And, you know, we just happen to do a lot of business with our life insurance companies and CMBS lenders and what have you. So we have very, very good relationships with our lenders beyond GSEs just from sheer volume that we do business yeah. with. I think that's one of the key components of why I love what you guys do. And, and so, I mean, you know, I pivoted. I, I've, I've been with another guy that I really uh, cherish and I've been with him for a long time, but I had to make a change because... Why? Because I'm a businessman first. I love relationships, um, but I owe it to my business to go out and find the best purveyor of a loan. And so far, I've not been seeing anybody that can beat what you're doing and all the things. When I add, you know, put it all together, put it on, you know, two sides at A and B, it pencils a little longer on your side, right? right. Of the value, the benefits, right? Features, benefits. And well, I think yeah. that's, at the end of the day, that's, you got, you know, you take the relationship piece into it because that's important. We got to have good communication and feel like, Hey, if I call, do, do does, is there a, a timely response? If that button's a yes, then now you put that aside and say, cause it's yes with the other guys. Well, now you got to put the two things. What's the product? What are they delivering? And is it the same or different? And the answer is it's different. And I think there's just, cause there's a lot more power behind you as uh, with Bricadia behind you. And like you just said, the analysis, your analysts and all, and all the data that you get, I think it helps sell my deals way better. Well, glad to hear. And you know, it's one of those things that we could sit here and laugh and we've had a lot of laughs over the years. We've done a lot of deals, but like I got to perform. It's dollars and cents. It's a business decision. If you're not feeling I'm giving you the best debt, that's on me. So I, I wake up and just got to make sure we do the best job for but it. But we have those discussions. I mean, so that's the mm -hmm. part sometimes, like, listen, my job's to push, right? As an owner, I, I push. I, I don't try to push hard, but, like, I'd be like, listen, here's what I need, right? Right. I need you to go find this, right? This is the way I underwrote this deal. Can we find debt to do it? Because if it's not this, and then really the other part is I got to be able to listen, the feedback. 
hey man, what you want ain't gonna happen in this market. So you gotta right. figure out how to pivot and can we still make the deal work? Right, right. <laughs> and we've done some great, well, we've done some fun ones. I mean, we've Dude, done small, small I mean, schools. I mean, think about the Palms. Right. Dude, we swung that one out of the park on the refi. Right. I, and we, we, oh, we did, the, you did the initial, did you do the initial debt on that one? No, no you didn't. Another, another dust lender did that one. And yeah. uh, I think if my memory calls, they kind of told you we can't do it. And you called me and said, Oh, wait, that's right. You, you, didn't, you didn't do the palms. Gosh dang it. That's right. That was another debt. Right. That was her. Well, I did do the palms and then it <laughs> had to did. go back to the lender. Hey, you queued it all up all right. to make it look pretty. <laughs> Right. And someone else took the uh, the lender said, "Hey, we can't help you." And I said, ah, "I don't know about that." And we got you a Freddie Mac term sheet, yeah. and then with some finer print, they had to take it back. Yeah. But I'm still waiting on my commission from that lender. I haven't gotten it yet. I keep sending them invoices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, that's funny that I brought that one up. <laughs> See, that's how short-term memory my mine is. But let's talk about you. Here's another aspect of what a good mortgage banker that's my new vocabulary now you're gonna i like it i'm saying it enough so after this uh, show that's what i'm gonna say from now on so i'm using um our new deal that we're working on which is uh university crossings and mm -hmm. this is a deal that i already own but we have a phase two we're gonna add uh, seven million dollars of development and so talk about what you did on that because you went out into the marketplace and tell me you know, like what what you did and what you find yeah, sure. This, this is an interesting one. We, again, are in the middle of a pandemic. Student house is challenging. You got a deal that you bought that has cash flowed and has been occupied, but you haven't been happy with the return Correct. because of expenses and just it is what it is, right? We didn't get as much older. rent increase as we wanted, and we right. have some higher expenses. Now, this, this school year, we're, we're doing actually much better but we needed more beds and we just happened to find them. So I'll cue this up. We, after looking to the property, we did a site visit and we're like, how much of this land is actually ours? Cause there's like a little wooded area. And so we got on a hunting map, Gaia, or actually it's a trail map, Gaia maps. And there's a little deal you press. You're like, wait, I think our, our land goes pretty far here. I think we got quite a bit of land. And so after hunting a packet, we realized that we had like five acres of land or something like that. And after we really started, you know, hunting and kind of figured it out, we found that the original development was planned for another like four buildings. And so we ended up getting the, the, uh, the, the plans for that from a, the uh, architect was retired, but he gave us all this to plans for real cheap. Now we have to still get them updated for today's code, but mm -hmm. I mean, they're still going to work pretty much. And it's all plot. It's all laid out. So it's like, dude, this is an easy deal. And so then you took it to market and we're in the middle of COVID. Right. Yeah. So we, we go to market and I told you from the beginning, this one's unique because it wasn't really a construction deal. It was a bridge refinance off of another loan on three cash flowing buildings, but you wanted to demo one of the buildings and add five new ones to basically at the end of the day, double your unit count and get your economy scale and your expenses, your IRR, your cash and cash yield goes to the roof. NOI goes to the roof. It makes all the sense in the world. So we go out. It's a very viable deal. Absolutely. Yeah. So we go out, and you're right next to campus. I mean, there's a million positives to the story. We go out to the market, and I told you, this is going to need to be a bank deal. You're going to need, are you okay signing recourse? Yes, Aaron, I'm okay signing recourse. Okay, oh, great. there's that word. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I, I asked. It's no but. It's no I but. Asked, <laughs> I asked your permission first. Are you okay with this? And we went out to 15 non-recourse lenders, and we got what we expected. A very expensive loan that wasn't very sexy and wasn't very attractive compared to what a recourse loan would look like in this case. But I'm based in Detroit, Michigan, and this deals in, can I say where it is? Yeah. Columbus, Georgia. So I also went to a couple banks, which is me, I'll use your phrase, hunting and pecking. I like that. Trying to find banks with me being in Michigan. And I've done some deals in Atlanta and stuff, but not with banks. So I went back to UCOR and I said, we need to expand the search. Yep. And this is why I love being on the team. Like you were, you were okay listening to me and you came up with a great idea. I've got a guy who's in my network. He's local to this area. He's going to get some banks for us. I already had my you whole up with three awesome leads. Absolutely. Like without a doubt, here you go. I just talked to these bankers. I'm local. I'm in this market. I already had my narrative and my kind of pitch deck put together and we just forwarded it on. We've, we should, fingers crossed, be getting our first term sheet from one of those leads here shortly. Yeah, and I gotta give you my, up, my personal financial statement today. It's on my checklist. <laughs> Please give me your update. <laughs> yep, that's a good time to remind you. Uh, and also I teamed up with a guy okay, in Atlanta okay. that works for a competing dust shop that I used to work with at Lincoln Financial when I was a life co guy. He's a great guy, he's in Atlanta. Again, whatever you're gonna pay me on this deal, if it goes with him, I'll just cut him in out of mine. Yep. And, uh, we're working that angle too to bring local expertise to local lenders because that's what we need for this one. Yep. So I, I love how this thing works. And I want to just take a pause for a minute and just say, listen, the power of your network. Guys, if there's one aspect of like life that I would say you've got to master is the people that you meet and how you can consistently stay in touch with them. So Aaron came back to me and said, Hey, Corey, uh, we need to find some local banks. And I was like, Hey, no problem. I'll get this covered. Cause right. I already knew it took me two calls. The first call I wanted to call a, a guy that was in one of my networks that was actually a lender per se, but I knew that he, after the call, he wasn't the right one. So then I just reached out to my other group and I said, Hey, listen, I need you to put this out on a, on the chat box and find me some local someone local. And all of a sudden, within five minutes, I get this, you know, like, hey, John, uh, and I get a quality introduction to, I can't remember what his name was, but let's call him John. And John, this is Corey. He's a good dude, yada, yada. He needs three lenders. And John is actually a developer in the marketplace of Columbus, Georgia, knows. And he's like, yeah, no problem. So then John sends three emails to three different bankers. And this is what I love about the way he sends, because it's just exactly what I would do. He cut and paste the exact words and sent the same email to three people, right? Mm -hmm. Which is exactly what I would have done because I'm like, dude. And then, <laughs> and then Aaron had the same canned response in all three ones too. <laughs> like, here's the pitch deck. Here's it is. Here it is. Here it is. We only have so many hours in the day, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, but the key was it was three quality introductions. And guys, I can only just like tell you. Who you know, like when you're when you decide to really do the multifamily business, you've got to network like nobody's business. But more importantly, you've got to stay in touch with those networks. Like I don't know John, but I know the guy that knows John. That's all that matters, right? And so, because of that, like you, you can get like it's not what you know, it's who you know, and truly mm -hmm. how well you know them. 
that's how the game of life is played. So let me get off my soapbox, but I just wanted to take a little angle there for a minute because that is crucial. So if, and if you're not putting your contacts in a CRM, a database to, to like track that you're screwing up, just like take that to the bank as a mortgage. No bank. doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no longer a broker. I so we're, you know, but here's the great news. So we don't have a term sheet yet, but I'm, I already know we're going to get way more favorable terms, right, Aaron? Absolutely. Yeah. It's where we needed to go. And again, I couldn't have done it without you. And that's yeah. the power of the team. At the end of the day, you have a certain team that runs with you in this multifamily game. And if you're smart, you keep the ones that are really good. You keep them tight, keep them close, and you, you use them as a resource and you communicate often, which is what we do. And that could be, you know, your, your mortgage banker, um, your PPM lawyer, your, um, you know, your cost segregation person, all those things you're going to do repetitive business with. Find not just good people, but great. When you find a great team member and you keep them and you start and you start asking what they do, like for fun, like I know Aaron likes to ride, right? Mm -hmm. And I like to ride. Now we've not rode together yet. But we talk about motorcycles a lot. We just talk about, you know, I talk about rock crawling. He took me to dinner last time you were out here um, in Phoenix. I met your dad. That's where you take your relationship. And so I'm thinking, and you actually initiated that more so than I did. Right. And I thank you for that because that really helped cement our relationship on what we do and, and, and our, and our um, ability to keep transacting and doing good, clean business. Right. Well, I mean, let's, uh, the deals that we work on, soup to nuts we could be talking for six to eight months on a deal it could be as soon as you know two three months from start to close yeah but you get to know somebody over the course of a, a multifamily acquisition yeah and then you find out if you like doing business with them or not <laughs> so i always say if you if you can do business like good clean business and jettison the person right vice versa like if, right. aaron, if i was a pain in the butt for aaron listen there comes a point where the money's not worth it and you'd be like, dude, this guy's an idiot. I hate working with him. He's so demand, you know, whatever, whatever it is that would make you do that. And um, so it's a two-way street. And But when you find that good chemistry, uh, man, keep it. Keep it and, and work it and develop it because those relationships will take you really far, just like it has with our relationship as well. So uh, I'll give you the last word, Aaron. So if you wanted to give anybody any piece of advice on lending and loans and just the whole world of what you do, what advice would you give them? I know it's on the spot, but. Ooh, no, no, it's fine. I, um, I don't mean to put the mortgage banker in the spotlight, but I think you're right on, Corey. You find one or two folks that you really like working with and you lean on them. The, the same that you're going to trust an attorney to give you the right legal advice. You're going to try to trust the right CPA to give you the right accounting advice, manager to manage property. Find a banker that you can, you can work with, that you can talk about what you want to do, and that listens. Because the, what I hate seeing is folks that are really, really good at Fannie Mae. And so all they want to do is put the borrowers in Fannie Mae or they're only good at life insurance company loans. All they want to do is life co-loans. Well, have you thought about a 15-15? No, I'm telling you I want cash flow. Oh, well then let's do an interest-only loan for as long as we possibly can and boost your cash and cash yield. You need to find somebody that's a true, I'm going to use the word again, broker and talk about all the different loans because all we're here to do is make you guys more money and I'm never going to sit here and tell you how to run or operate your property. I just here to listen and, and try to figure out what you want to do. And then I can tell you how to do it. Amen. Well said. Well said. Listen, Aaron, if they want to get a hold of you, how do they, how do they find you? They can call you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not a good one. <laughs> 
No, I, uh, I'll, I'll rattle my phone number. Uh, working from home these days, so cell phone's best. 231-360-1840. Or my email's uh, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, dot mall, M-O-L-L, at Bricadia.com. Cool. Listen, uh, guys, if you are looking for a great mortgage broker I, I, or mortgage banker, <laughs> I can't <laughs> recommend uh, Aaron Hiley more. more, more. Uh, he really is a solid guy and he's a good friend. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Guys, listen, the banking world is, you know, the multifamily world and the game is the best game out there, in my opinion. It is the one thing that can give you true cash flow, appreciation, wealth, generational wealth, everything you ever wanted in life, I believe this business can give it to you. But before you even can get there, you have to believe it. You have to make a decision. You have to tell yourself, today's the day. Today's the day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle for nothing less but success and you know profitability and, and create the path and choose the path and stay on the path and remind yourself daily while you're on the path. Guys, if you believe it, you can achieve it in your paradise as possible.